back into lockdown we go as dirty, dirty Victorians. Unless you're an AFL football, of course, and it's off the Northern States with you. Unless, of course, you're an AFL football that's chosen not to go into quarantine hubs and instead opting for ISO life back here in Vic. It's all quite confusing and confronting at the moment, but luckily with me to console us through a time that is heavy with a sense of impending doom is still the king of COVID, I think. Big bustling Baz. Hey, mate. How you doing, buddy? Um, yeah, it's been an interesting few days, hasn't it? It really has. It's quite flattening, to be honest. Mm. I'm, uh, yeah, pretty pretty flat with everything that's going on. Uh, gyms are closed again, no more Pilates. Obviously, footy's now cans. We can't even train with the boys and get amongst it and just get around each other, which is probably good for more everyone's mental health and well-being mm. more than anything because obviously everything's still being closed. You know, while we opened up again, we still only got 20 people at a, at a cafe and that sort of thing. So, yeah, there was a pretty, some pretty flat boys at training uh, last night and even at the gym before, I went to the gym before and it was a pretty flat environment in there as well. So... A lot of businesses in a struggle, a lot of people in a struggle, and uh, myself as I just uh, went out of my own business as an electrician. Uh, it's, it's, it's all, yeah, all tough times. So. Definitely. I suppose the one advantage is that footy is still going ahead, so we will have something to watch. Yeah, footy, cricket, we've got the uh, yeah. Test Series starts off between England and uh, West Indies. We've got the baseball's another couple of weeks away, and so is the NBA, and the NFL's a bit further away again, but at least we've got some sport on TV mm. to watch this time. and. I downloaded International Cricket Captain for good old uh, good old times as well last night, so I'll keep myself entertained. Do don't think, think, don't hope, do. I mentioned there are a couple of flat boys down at training. Yep. So coaches' corner this week is everyone's big topic. Everyone's had it. Every all the hot take merchants have had their say here, saying should everyone be expected to go into hubs player wise? Yep. That's not really my question. My question more so is what do you think the effects are of those decisions on a playing group from a coaching perspective? So obviously you have to give the option to your players. You can't force people to do things that they can't can't or don't want to do. Yeah. But from a playing group cohesion point of view, if you have players opting out and players obviously going, does it actually have an impact on the group, do you think? Or are teams smart enough and well-coached enough and are good enough now with the, the psychology away from the field aspects to manage a, a split group better now? I reckon about 10 years ago it would have been different. Mm. I, I think it would come a long way and coaches and coaching staff and football clubs have changed a lot with the way how they see things and perceive things and especially with uh, mental health and mindfulness and that sort of stuff that a lot of clubs do now. Um, I think if players didn't want to play and, and didn't want to go to these hubs or were a bit flattened, I think they're they're a lot more understanding and I think teammates will get around them a lot more and so will coaching staff and, you know, I think in general life, I think people are a lot better with it. I mean, there's still idiots out there. That, that one or two percent, we said that everything from racism to, you know, mental health to, um, you know, what sexuality you like and stuff like that. I'm just trying to get the words right so I don't go no, non-PC. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's been a fair few comments from some of the old school people, like, you know, Brian Taylor's one, you know. Yeah, your Demi's, your Brian's, your Eddie's, yeah. the, the people that were very prominent 10 years ago. But, I, but I think if you listen to Jack Rewalt and um, Adam Trelaw last night talking about their families and being in the hubs and, you know, Jack didn't take his family out there. Adam has for a, a small period, I think it's just for this week. 
And you hear in their voices how, like, especially Jack, like, I, I would not be surprised after hearing him speak last night and I, I, I would not hold it against him if he just went, you know what, this is, I don't need this and just mm. jumped on a plane and, and went home. Yeah, they're not, you know, Shane Warne as well. You had to speak about how cricketers have to do it, but you know that as a cricketer, you're used to it. As a footballer, they don't get this sort of stuff a lot. So, and it's never happened before, has it? So generally they're away for a week and they're straight back. Well, not even a week, they're away for two or three days and they're back again, so... And the difference there as well is that when they're saying, you know, professional cricketers or whatever other sport, lots of sport have a heap to travel. But not lots of sport have a heap to travel during a like pandemic where there actually is a significant chance of your family member getting sick. Yeah. So if you're away, if you're off playing football and you, and then you find out that your kid's sick or your partner's sick and you can't go back, obviously, because of the quarantine rules, you can't get back there straight away. Yeah, it's 14 days. It's, if you're off playing the Ashes and you find out that a friend even is, is sick in the hospital, you just jump on the next plane. Yeah, and a lot home, of players go home. And then you just go home. Yeah. But you can't do that now. So there's a, it's a very different scenario for these old school people to be like, oh, well, back in my day, we just pop up in there and travel. It's like, yeah, but you didn't play during the pandemic. So. Yeah, so, before, so when they come back to Victoria, they've got to quarantine mm. for 14 days. And you think about it, a lot of these, you know, these players might have small children who are you know, now it's homeschooling again. So. You know, they might have two or three kids and they help their wife out or partner out. And now, you know, they're left by themselves. They can't have people over. Like, you know, I was talking to you before about, you know, one of my upcoming jobs. They're just like, oh, I'll just go to my grandma, my mum's house for to live for two or three days while you finish the work. Oh, hang on a minute. We can't because you're not allowed to have anyone over. You're not allowed to, after today, you won't be able to come over. We have to do this over Zoom. Like yeah. Modern technology or WebEx or whatever it is we're going to use. But yeah, it's different times I think these people need to be understanding of it and you know I've probably been a bit harder before this saying you know they're professional footballers they should just deal with it but that was just more the whole um, state, like they knew they were only there for two or three weeks so now it's, it's an unknown um, you know because they're going to be there for minimum four to six and then who knows what it's six weeks here in Victoria before we get out of this lockdown. What happens mm. if it gets worse? It could be longer. Mm. Or what happens if other states go into lockdown? We've got to hearing conditions about it's already a few little spot fires in the border of New South Wales and ACT's got some cases. So it could be back to national lockdown. Everyone's stuck where they are for the next three months. Yeah, so, it is. so it's so yeah. much unknown. Like, and that's what I think the players are a bit... Like I said, the hubs were before when you know, West Coast and that, they went to those hubs. They knew it was for three or four weeks. That was it. Like they knew that at the end of that time they were going back. Uh, so... I probably, you know, went a bit hard earlier at probably West Coast. Maybe they need to get on with it. But from my point of view, when I say that, it was more they're there, they're doing it, they're, they've decided to go there and stay, those players. So they need to get on with what the, I think that's what, as a coach, I think it's what you want from your players. All right, you're here. You blokes want to be here. You can go home and not be a part of it. We've got to make the best of this situation and move on with it. We can't be... Um, when we're trying to play or train and stuff, you think about other things because that's going to affect the whole team. So if you're not 100% in and buying in, then maybe it's better if you do go home. We understand that, that sort of thing. So I think that's where, as a coaching and playing group, they need to be pretty honest and with each other and say, look, we only want 22 blokes on a Saturday taking the field who are absolutely 100% in and, and they haven't got other things on their mind. And if they do, then that's fine. We understand. Hope hope you're okay happy to support you but maybe you don't play this week or you go home and don't sit in the hub sort of thing mm. so I think as a club that's what they'll be doing and I'm pretty sure that's what they are doing and I'm pretty understanding that and I think a lot of people are and like there'll be no one in in your it'd be very very unlikely there'd be anyone in that club that would be sitting there going you're, you're kidding aren't you? mm. like, 
this guy's going to go home. You serious? Like, I don't think anyone will be like that. And the teams that are like that, they're the teams that won't be winning games. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the Demi takeover, I wouldn't be able to trust someone. It's like, that's such a weird, weird take in my opinion. Yeah. But he's had enough uh, airtime for that. Speaking of putting on other blinkers and getting 100% focused, that's exactly what we'll do now with our analysis. Big wins and bad beats of round five. Two games to try and read from the tea leaves of. The first one, your boys. You said this was going to hurt if it happened. Well, it happened. So are you hurting? Collingwood, 7-6-48, was defeated by Essendon, 10-3-63. And again, Collingwood only kicked one goal five in two quarters of footy, that being the second and third quarters. So I said last weekend that there was four teams that could win the flag. Yeah. I've narrowed it down to three. You've put a line to wrong. I've put a line through Collingwood. Off one game? Uh, off our last two and more. Our midfield. So our midfield's getting bashed at the moment. We got absolutely f- flogged by Essendon in the midfield and we overused the footy a bit as well. But I, I didn't see any desire to change our setup. So we, so generally you've got you know your, your wingers defending each side of the contest and your, wing, and your wingers defending the corridor. We, we seem to somehow... and we A lot of teams are starting to read Grundy because of the way we set up. They know where the tap's going to go. We... A lot of his touch went to the front, you know, especially from boundary throw-ins, went towards the boundary. We had two blokes there most of the time, pretty much on their own. But what Essendon is, they went, all right, you can have them there, their boundary side, we can push them and defend that. We're going to have an extra one in the corridor. And when they won, if they won the footy, they just opened us up with quick ball movement and they, and they were a lot more direct and put us under the pump. And our back line just keeps making silly mistakes. Like um, Chris had a shock of the week before Maynard had a, had a few brain fades as well. So... I just don't think we can score enough. You can't have uh, Stephenson, you know, kick a couple of goals in the first five minutes for game and not get seen. And I don't think we've got enough forward pressure, enough tackling, enough harassment down there. And I think, yeah, Mason Cox. I'm almost, I'm almost done with him as well. I think if he does, if he gets another game, I'd be very, very surprised. I think he should be dropped. My check's been out of form, and I know, like, I saw some down game vision, and they went through it on the couch as well with how our ball movement was, but. I think that it's just that lack of confidence in Cox a bit with the players, not kicking it down the line to him, especially when it was a bit wet. So I think we've already seen they're going to make a change. Will Kelly's going to come in. He's, a, you know, he's not a massive forward. He's probably 190, 195 centimetres, and he's a second-year player. So how much of a difference he's going to make, I don't know, but I know he's going to be a very, very good player going forward. So, yeah, I think Mason Cox misses out. And then do you play Darcy Cameron? You know, obviously, to go is out. It's a big out as well. And he might be out for another week or two. Who knows? He might be out for the rest of the season, depending on the foot court case and what goes on with that. But I'm, yeah, definitely take nothing away from Essendon. I've definitely slipped, sunk the slipper into them a bit this year with their wins. But they that was probably the first game this year, I could honestly say, they looked like the better team all game and deserved to win that mm-hmm. game. But as soon as it got wet and a bit greasy, we just kept playing silly dry weather football, perfect footy, and we couldn't adapt. And, you know, Buck said it at half time, but the players didn't adapt. And... I think we're carrying too many players and players are out of form. And I think it's time for Bucks to do a bit of a refurb. Like I'm, he's obviously going to do Will Kelly and maybe bring in another couple of young blokes and just give them a crack and maybe it just uh, brings the energy levels up a bit and changes it, give them a bit more freedom as well. I think we're seeing that with Melbourne at the moment. They've been that that drilled that much into playing a certain way that's and it's not working. That They don't know how to react or yeah adapt yeah. If, if the conditions change. And especially more weird for Melbourne than, than Collingwood. But I suppose when you say to put a line through them, like this method of football does work because you, you're winning more games than you're losing. 
So how can you possibly put a line through you at round six? I'm just, I reckon our ball movement and our four lines are going to be a massive problem. It was a problem last year, it was a problem the year before, really. Especially when you, we got, I mean, we got exposed a bit to the ground final. We always have chunks of games where we don't score enough. And if you look at the top teams at the moment, and we spoke a couple of weeks ago mm. about how, you know, people are jumping on the game stuffed and all this stuff, utter bullshit. Look at what all the top teams, the top three or four teams are doing. They're taking the game on, they're using the corridor more, they're playing on. Yeah, they're playing helter skelter, but they're not. They're being smart about it. Um, and you know, Collingwood can do that. We saw it against against St Kilda. We saw it again for the first few minutes against Essendon. We saw it against Richmond. But we can't seem to do it for long enough. I don't know whether that's players, coaching, whatever. But then, yeah, yeah I just don't think we have a, a our four line is good enough to take us forward either. So I have some serious doubts about that. I, I and. I'm putting the line through. I think, I think really it's down to GWS, Brisbane and Port. And we'll probably get on to Port now because I know mm. you've got that there with Brisbane. But I, I'm yeah, I'm a bit worried about Collingwood and I'm a bit worried about midfield. Our midfield has been getting bashed up the last two weeks. And we've got the best ruckman in the comp, but it's a bit like Melbourne at the moment. They've got the best, probably second best ruckman in the comp, but they can't do anything with it either. So maybe it's sometimes it's better not to have uh, the best ruckman. Best ruckman. It's, just, it's, like, it's the same kind of philosophy as having the best forward. Like you obviously know where the ball's going to go, and so you can focus all your energy on that. And that's probably two weeks now where all the energy's being focused in on Grundy and how to beat him. And yeah, well, he hasn't been beaten, but the team is beaten. The team that's opposing him has beaten him without there being a superior ruckman in the game. So it's interesting when you can take away a key asset, as I'm, you mentioned. I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming Grundy. Oh, no, 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 that, no, no, not at all. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you're saying like we can't beat this ruckman, so how can we as a team beat beat their system that he creates? Yeah. And then force him to adapt. And again, it's probably the the strength is also kind of its weakness because you expect silver service from Grundy. If you yeah. don't get it, then you don't know how to react. The same with you expect this precision kick mark football. Yeah. If the conditions change and you can't play that way, or you you're, you've gone scores for five ten minutes and need to change tempo and you can't, then yeah, it does make you a bit one dimensional. But line through. I'd be holding holding the no. cards in that. Oh, 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 well, yeah. Speaking of Brisbane now, but I'm, yeah. it's about it was about this time last year I declared a team, and I've just I've gone bang and done the same thing. Go on. There we go. So Brisbane twelve thirteen eighty five divided to Port Adelaide six twelve forty eight. Let's go Brisbane first. You're about to you about to you about I've, to do it. You're about de- to name them. About I've to de- declare. I've declared them, and I've put. Uh, which is pretty dangerous. Cause I'm kind of oh, I'm not unemployed. I'm working for myself, and you know during these times, but I've, I've, a bit like this time last year, I went whack on Richmond at around the $9, $10 mark. I've, I've gone whack on Brisbane at seven bucks. So there's, if you ever wanted a Moz, but last year it wasn't a Moz and I mentioned on the pod. So I'm, I'm going all out on Brisbane and I think Lockie Neal is just a shoe in the wind of Brownlow now watching get injured this week. Um, but yeah, Brisbane were bloody good and they're bloody exciting and, and that's the best I've always bagged them about their probably kicking decision making a bit. Like while they play exciting football and move the ball well and um, they're good to watch. I, I think sometimes they get a bit held to skelter and, and miss some easy targets and their skill skills aren't great and they get a bit lazy and a bit lairizing, but they were they were on on uh, something something like that. Mm. They were on and everything just came off. Some of their ball movement was unreal and decision making and execution was just awesome. That first quarter was a bit of a worry for for them and Port probably didn't capitalise on it. And then there was some... 
you talk about umpiring, we talk about the, the state of the game. Mm. Our umpiring is deplorable. And I've gone on about this before, but they make so they make massive calls. There was probably about there would have been six or seven over the weekend, and one of them, you know, Brisbane just kicked the goal and, and Port had a bit of the ball. It was a clear ruck infringement against Charlie Dixon, 35, 40 metres out directly in front, right in front of the umpire. And he didn't call it. And it went down the other end and Brisbane kicked the goal. And then there was another one with Charlie Cameron. The, the, and the I actually went back and rewinded it because the, um, the Fox footy just glossed over it. He walked around someone on the banjo and the ball was in the third tier. And they went and kicked the goal. And because it was such an exciting play, the, the Fox footy didn't even look at it. But I actually went back and watched it. And he was literally a good metre over with the footy. So... Like while Port Adelaide weren't great for two and a half quarters, and Brisbane made some adjustments, which was awesome of uh, Lockie Neal to speak about after the game, and they actually went over it on the, on the couch as well about how they made some slight adjustments around the stoppages that really blunted Port and, and you know got them back on top in the midfield battle. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if, if Brisbane that's their that's their standard now. Brisbane they got to keep going with that. And yeah. they'll, they'll win the flag. I think Port Adelaide can get better, uh, especially in front of goals early in the game, and I think they'll go to. Bit, they'll do a bit of work on that stoppage stuff that Brisbane uh, executed really, really well. And they can't have that much bad luck mm. with umpiring where, like, it's dead seriously, you probably cost them two or three goals from just blatant errors. And you go back to Friday night, you had probably the goalies hit the post debacle. Then you had that sling tackle that, you know, evened, up, evened it up a bit, I suppose. And then there was a couple on, on Sunday as well in the Richmond-Melbourne game where you just go... You, you worry about the state of the game, yet we don't have professional umpires and mm. umpiring is a debacle. So, but for me, Brisbane declaring awesome on, on uh, Saturday night. They're only get better because Zorko comes back this week, I think. And Port, I think, you know, they're still they're still a top three team, top two team, and they're probably going to be them and GWS to be Brisbane's biggest challenges. Mm. And the interesting part there is you mentioned Port's lack of clini- clinicalness in front of goal. Long term, that actually isn't too much of an issue. If you look at that kind of like predictive stats, it's less about your goal accuracy and more about just the ability to create sh- shots inside 50. And so both of these teams, Brisbane and Port Adelaide, are, are lead to that at the moment. And also, obviously, on the defensive end, preventing them as well. So Brisbane's 12, go- 12 goals, 13. People look at that and be like, oh, that's pretty inconsistent kicking. They should do better. But just the fact that they're getting you know, a good 30 looks a game just suggests that they're going, to, they're going to win far more games than they than they lose and win them by good margins as well with that many looks at goal. So, as you said, that's your Kingsmaker, which leads us nicely into our stock market. So we had Brisbane on the rise. You've mentioned Port Adelaide. You're not selling your stock in Port Adelaide yet. I've got two more teams. I'm a bit dubious about what we're going to do with them. So, at the moment, the Giants are flag favourites. Yep, and they deserve the best. But you don't want to keep, you're not, you're not leaving them the king. You've put Brisbane above them. Brighton, Brisbane, Brisbane above them just for their midfield and their ruck and their defence. Uh, I spoke about Harris Andrews and Charlie Dixon match up last week. And he, he's a, they've got, their defence can, I reckon, hold down GWS because they're very Charlie Cameron sort of, and we'll get to GWS a bit later as well, but Charlie Cameron played further, not Charlie Cameron, Jeremy Cameron played further up the ground on uh, Sunday and, and was really, really good, but it, it relies on, um, you know, Finlayson and Himmelberg and Toby Green to play good games because um, if he goes up the ground and does what he did, he's a great field kick and gets a lot of the footy. He's a, 
a better version of Tex Walker when he does that, and that's what I want to see Tex Walker do, go further up the ground and probably play a wing or a half-back or whatever. But if those boys aren't getting the ball and they're getting well held inside 50, then I reckon it's GWS and a struggle to score. And we'll go over a bit more when we talk about GWS later with what happened against Hawthorne, but I don't, they're not going to get it that easy all the time. And if they play that style of footy against Brisbane, they'll get cut open, I think. Mm. So it's whether they can adapt and, and and have enough going forward against Brisbane, who have got a really good solid defence. They move the footy really, really well. And I think their forwards match up really well against um, GWS's defence. So I think if you look ground, ground like section versus section, Brisbane at the moment have it over GWS, especially that midfield battle, I think. Nothing to do with experience, though, come finals, though, given the GOS went to the grand final. The old cliche, you have to lose one to win one. Doesn't work for some clubs. Shout out to Adelaide. Do you think that there's, a, there's a measure there of being the more experienced team come come? Well, Brisbane played in the October, finals November. and went out in straight sets last mm. year, so they had their own little beef. So I think they can still get better. Like I think Marcus Adams comes back and he'll definitely add something. He could probably go forward and help out. I think it's still got a bit more development in that group is where you look at GWS and you know they've got some young players like Lockie Ash and Tom Green and stuff playing and you know Perriman's having a great year so far forward or back it's whether they can keep their like you know Tom Green and Ash and that's their first second year so like they're gonna you know they're gonna drop off at some point probably um, as you know Brisbane a lot of their players have been in the system now for two or three years and pretty well rounded, rounded and you know starting to play some really good footy so I just think yeah go player versus player while GWS have some amazing talented players individually I think Brisbane have have them as well and probably the best small forward in the game Charlie Cameron and then yeah I just think they're, they're better ruck stocks and better midfield all around than what GWS can give you there you go that's just my opinion yeah oh, I've, I don't worry they, 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 I reckon them two will stand out now like yeah. seriously like two, two ahead of anyone so um, yeah there we go and then some more cloudy ones for in terms of week-to-week prospects. Let's talk about a club that you love to hate, St Kilda. Yep. Can you buy into them in week-to-week prospects to win more games than they lose? Yeah, given their next two weeks, you probably they, they should finish top eight. Mm. And they've got a pretty good draw set up now. And they're playing good footy, attack, again, tucking footy, taking the game on. They're getting plenty of scores. And, yeah, I think they're well coached and... Like I said, they've got a few injuries though and, and King has been massive for them. A bit like the other King at Gold Coast. It's, they're so hmm. so talented. They're going to be... I'm, I hate playing against them as a clown supporter because they're going to tear us apart in a few games. But I think they're on the right path against St Kilda and I'd be buying them so we finish in top eight. And they might just be one of those teams that might, might knock Go off. on the sneaky yeah, run, yeah. yeah. Go down to the finals. The last one, big question mark for mine, West Coast. So no, we've still, been no. still off? Still off them. Even after they turned it around last week, they're going back. They're going back to Perth eventually. They played against Sydney last week, and Sydney were them for a half, and then they kind of blew Sydney out of the water, just mainly due to the fact that Nick Nat was unstoppable and Yo lifted. But I, I don't see anything. I, what I saw from them on the weekend was not their back. Mm. So I want to see that from a couple more weeks before I. And they've got a pretty good draw the next few weeks, yes. So I win games, and people might get you know sucked back in. But I still don't think they're anywhere near top 14. Fair enough. You mentioned there Sydney. In terms of our shakers, no real shakers this week, more just dead stock. So obviously Adelaide, they're done for the year, no longer relevant. Fremantle, I'm calling them done week to week basically yeah, with, cool. a, with, a, with a dodgy fife, 
now battling injury. Oh, I'm for Put a line through Ian, Ian with four after they're done. And then I'm putting Sydney in that bracket as well in yep. terms of teams that would be looking forward to 2021. Yep. Definitely. Anyone else there to put in that list that we can just pretty much ignore from now on? Um, oh, I'll probably put Chuck Carlton in there. Okay. I think Carlton and North Melbourne and Melbourne. You can probably have those three. So there's the bottom six. Yep. Um, Mel- Melbourne's done. North clearly done and screamed desperation with Callington last week. And I think... Uh, Carlton might have just got a bit of a reality check on the weekend. And I, I'm still a bit worried about their four line. Um, you can't have an inconsistent um, McGovern. Uh, Harry McKay's going to tear a game apart here and there. Um, and we spoke about last week with, you know, obviously Cunningham had a really good game the week before. And, and you know, Cripps was a bit down. But when Cripps was up last week or played some good footy, Cunningham didn't have, you know, he had like 12 touches and a lot of those blokes had a really good game the week before went missing and they need that consistency. So I still think they're a, they're a fair way off. They'll, they'll win a couple of games still, don't get me wrong, but I think when they come against anyone in the top eight, they should be, uh, you can pretty much tip against them pretty comfortably, I think. Yep, fair enough there as well. Be very interesting <laughs> to see how uh, those stocks go compared comparing St Kilda and Carlton coming into the year because uh, I think a fair few people will have uh, some egg on their face given the rats appointment. Let's get into our round six previews. Seven games this week. The bookmakers reckon will be decided by less than two goals. So that is a, a legitimate tipster's nightmare. I think it's also, they just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, no one knows what's going to happen. Mm. So, I mean, un- unprecedented times. Unprecedented times. Annoying phrase that, because literally every second after this current one is unprecedented time. It's never yeah. happened before. Yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. So it's a bit silly, that saying, but fair enough. We won't call them tips as nightmares, though. We'll call these games litmus tests. They give us a bit of an inkling on what's going to happen for the rest of the season. And it starts Thursday, 7.40, Geelong, $2.15 outsiders, playing Brisbane, $1.71 favourites, at the SCG. Because unprecedented times. <laughs> the line here is one goal, the over-under, 130. Now, strangely, this is second versus third. But clearly, two teams that you think are very much classes apart. Oh, yeah. And yet, John will be loving the fact this is at the SCG. Mm. Smaller ground. Plays into that Cadinia factor. Yeah. Um, they would have... If those, this is the Gabba, I'd just be like... Oh, that, that line would not be... That, I reckon, it would be three goals. But I'm still... I'm still backing in Brisbane. I, I really hope they um, back up what they did last week. I'll be really disappointed and I've pumped up. did this with Connor two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I'd really pumped them up and I'd be really disappointed if they just didn't show that sort of edge again. I also wonder how much this how much uh, Geelong is me affected by the travel. Obviously, a lot of a big older group, a lot of players, especially like Luke Dowhouse, Jack Stephen, who have gone to Geelong to get away from everything and and be closer to family now are away from family for extended period of time. And with other blokes, there's a lot more people with families as well in terms of young yep. kids. So yep. it's the Selwoods, the Hawkins, the Ablets, that kind of yep. stuff. So uh, so and Gold Coast pushed them for three and a, three and a bit quarters. Mm. So it doesn't really... That, that, those form lines don't really stack up. I mean, I know Gold Coast has been going well, but they've been going well against lower sides. Um, and they also didn't have Matt Ralph most of the game. And, it was good to see Tom Hawkins push up the ground a bit more, a bit like um, Jeremy Cameron. And you know, was, I think 
his field kicking decision making is really good, so it's good to him to get out of the ground. I think it's just the way um, this is going to go for this year with the with the forwards because of the way the game is being played. And there's a there's a piece on it from uh, one of our friends and Juice and posted about the synthesis injuries and how the game has changed the way it's being played a bit. So um, I'm yeah I'm just all in on on Brisbane. I think. Yeah, and even in terms of just betting four minds, we know that this year and the last couple of years, Geelong have not been very consistent. So they win a game, they lose a game, they win a game, they lose a game. It was the first time in how many years they won two games, right? Yeah. And then on the back of that also, we had the big milestone game last week, 350 and 300 with, with Selwood and, and Ablett. Yeah. And so I think expecting a drop-off with the travel, with the post-milestone game versus a Brisbane side that's used to travelling a bit a bit more often than, yep. than Geelong. And still don't have to travel that far. I'm, I, I, yeah, like I said, the only thing that's probably going to be against is the ground. The ground, yeah, is the way the ground is. So, but yeah, I'm 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 all in on uh, on Brisbane there. Dollar seventy, so they're good enough to back head to head. The six and a half line, I probably wouldn't touch. But there is a little prop bet here. So Menengola averages uh, twenty seven touches a game against Brisbane, and he's been in red hot form so far early this year. And if you just wanted to play it safe, and 20, 20 plus disposals is two bucks. Or twenty five or more is a bit more, you know, fruit for four dollars fifty. But yeah, twenty or more to get two dollars. And like I said, he's been in really good form. He was big for him last week, and 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 yeah, he averages high numbers against Brisbane. So maybe there's something in that. Yeah, and then also if I wanted to do a little cheeky multi to get some bit more odds behind the Brisbane win, take Brisbane the win and Charlie Cameron to kick two two goals or more. That gets you up to two dollars forty for that win. So a bit more of a value boost there. That's what you're looking for. Second game, Friday, 7.50. Your boys, Collingwood, are $1.65 favourite still versus Hawthorne, $2.25 outsiders. You guys are playing at the Sydney Showgrounds. One, here's a goal, the over-under, one twenty. Are you afraid of Hawthorne pulling off a, a Clarko special on the pies? Or is this now a game that you think you should win? I think given our team missing some players, I think... and. Definitely, it's a bit of a worry for me going forward. Um, I'm almost tempted to go to the Hawks, but we've been. I don't know, you kind of you kind of think that we're we're about to step up because of what we've obviously copped it a fair bit the last two weeks. So maybe we're about to you know be a bit more resolved and and show the football world what we're about, but. You just wonder, Hawks were pretty ordinary last week. They got real issues going forward. They had a lot of inside 50s. And mm. GWS kind of played a bit of a Collingwood-style game where they held on to the footy and were very conservative and only had like 23 or 24 inside 50s but scored a lot. I don't know whether Collingwood can be that can um, when they go inside 50 can be that successful as what GWS were. Like GWS, I think, scored 75% from their inside 50s or something. So I had nine, I had twenty four inside fifties, and it's eighteen or nineteen scoring shots, which is high. So I suppose you know you look at how often the Hawthorne put in a couple of stingers in a row as well. So mm. there's a lot of things like that going on, and obviously we've got you know no Nagoi, no side bottom. Um, does you know they had their injuries last week as well? Hawthorne, Mitch Lewis, and Jack Scrimshaw are out, so this you know, probably Lockie Patton comes in. Uh, and then who comes in for scrimmage? I'm not sure. Maybe Morrison or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, what do you? What do you? Th- what, are, what are your feels on the game? Like for me, like I'm, I've spoken up kind of the last two weeks, and they've given us you know shit sandwiches. So 
Yeah, and then the and the weeks we talk up at Clark a special, it never happens. And then the weeks that we say that they can't do it, they they pull something out of the bag. So neither of these two teams are giving us much in terms of form lines. You just can't see Collingwood being that that poor for this long. Like they have to come good at some stage, and Hawthorne aren't that good. No. Whilst Chad Wingard is coming, I think he's like the second most improved player this year in terms of like player ratings and stuff. Yeah, there's still line v line. Collingwood is a better team than Hawthorne. Yeah. So you'd think that that's the way it should go. And as much as teams and obviously Clark will put heaps of work into Grundy and, and your midfield formation, surely that midfield gets a win this week against a, basically a two-person midfield in the Hawks. Yeah, Miro and Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably going to back us back. I'll, I'll tip Collingwood. Um, there's no money you would be going on this game. But, yeah, like it's, it is a bit of a worry... If we don't win this game, I'm going to be pretty pissed off, I'll do that. <laughs> Our next litmus test is Saturday at 6.05. Love the interesting time slots as well now. It's really, really keeps you on your toes when you're doing the, the show notes. Melbourne are $1.66 favourites, and I don't know why, against Gold Coast, who are $2.18 outsiders. They're also playing at the Sydney Showgrounds. Interesting time for, for foot traffic on grounds, considering... There are a lot of times you can't play VFL as a curtain raiser in the old days because of foot traffic and ground conditions. You can't play AFLW as a curtain raiser, foot traffic issues. But now we're just going to play all the games in three stadiums and just and just and just get them done. So foot traffic be damned. But anyway, that little ran out of the way. The line here is of course a goal. The over under a very small one twenty. Now, has the Gold Coast Suns bubble burst? Once they've left the nice little hub of the Gold Coast, no, travelled down south. No, I don't reckon. They got touched up last week a little bit, but not too much. They hang, they hang fat for enough for that game to make it look like they did okay. It was, and I watched the couch as well, and they, they spoke about this as well. Just some real basic dumb stuff that cost them like fifty meter penalties. There's three of them that you know from just running too close to the the players or in, encroaching that mm. like little five meter, ten meter. Circle where it is they they do that rule is just fifty meters for that is don't get me started, um and like they stay with him for a bit and don't forget they'll probably a player and a half down really I think they had another injury late that he played through and I don't know how Melbourne are that short so Melbourne have been pretty horrible this year they've been bad they've been very bad Gold Coast nearly should have beaten them last year if you remember that they Melbourne got the winner in the last probably twenty or thirty seconds I believe. I reckon I'm I'm going with um, Gold Coast. I'm going with Gold Coast. I, I thought Gold Coast were a sneaky chance of winning last week. And if Matt Rouse stays in the field, that's a lot closer game than what it was. So the form line there suggests, you know, they ran second to a horse that goes on the run in the Melbourne Cup last week, basically. Yeah, yeah. So you go, oh, they come down a group, come down in class against the, against the worst opponent, more suitable conditions. I, I the sun's winning. I found it funny. Max Gorn um, said that Melbourne have been working a lot more on their skills this week. So, As opposed to all those other weeks where they well, he said that just none, of the, them, none of the coaches he's ever had have really been that skill-based or skill-specific previously. And this week, they've spent a lot, a lot of time on their skills. So I know they're missing a lot of targets and their, their disposal's been pretty ordinary. But I, I'm, I, reckon, I reckon Gold Coast here. Yeah, I'm going to tip Gold Coast because I just don't trust Melbourne. Um, and yeah, I... that somewhat annoys me because I tipped Gold Coast last week. I was hoping I could get the contrarian chip again to get one back on you, and you yeah. played safe with Melbourne. No, but no, you, you're thinking like I am. That's why we do the podcast together. And uh, yeah, Gold Coast, the pick here, even without Matt Rowe. 
Same. Even without Matt Rowe, because probably the player that comes in is probably Brendan Fioroni, and he's a bloody talented, bloody good footballer. So, um, you know, and I'll be looking at someone like a Clayton Oliver. Uh, you know, obviously the, the, the value is Gold Coast straight out. Yeah. But Clayton Oliver does rack up a lot of posies and does rack them up a lot against uh, Gold Coast. And to get 25 or more is $2 as well. So, mm. and I think prop bet there for you. look for this week for the myth of Melbourne's midfield to be to be completely busted by, by Gold Coast. So, Gold Coast kicked five goals one from centre clearances last week. Yeah, well, they got. So, that's 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 an elite midfield there against. Like, Geelong's midfield's are not chabby. They're probably a bit slow in comparison to the Suns. But against a similar midfield in, in Melbourne where they've got slower bodies and one speed bodies. Yeah. Look for the Suns to absolutely well, dominate Joe, there. Joe Woods is a bloody good ruckman. Took Mill is an mm. underrated player. He's very, very good. And, you know, you've got Swallow and Weller and a few other blokes there that are pretty handy and, like, so those young players that are coming through. So I, I'd also hope that, you know, um, Pierce Hanley puts his head, out, head over the ball a bit more than what he did last week. So And, like, some of the mistakes that were made last week were from, from experienced players. So hopefully they've adapted and they'll be better. And, and yeah... To be honest, it'd be interesting to see what they do with their four line. Because apart from King and Day, they're pretty small, so they match up really well for Melbourne, I think. And Lever and um, and Steve May, it'd be a nice little grudge match, I think, for the, for the Gold Coast boys against May. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Mm. Another another nice little theme for uh, for Super Coach Stewie Judah, like just draw on. Yeah. Saturday seven forty, a very interesting litmus game here. Essendon a dollar fifty six favourites versus North Melbourne. $2.38 outsiders. They're playing at Metricon Stadium. The line here, 8.5. Over under, one twenty one. We don't trust Essendon. Don't trust but, North. Well, we don't, we don't, it's not that we don't trust North. We just, they're just, they're no longer relevant. They've, they've proven themselves to be the North Melbourne of old. They're going to finish in the bottom quarter of the letter yep. again. But can Essendon do what they never do and just easily beat an opponent they should beat? I just can't, I don't understand how... I'm very concerned, and and Ray Shaw did come out and say, "Yeah, oh, look, I stuffed up," but how it reeked of a bit of desperation bringing in Cunnington, Cunnington when he was clearly not right. When the commentators before the game's even starting is saying that you know he doesn't look fit, doesn't look fine, blah blah, and they still played him, it just it, it's very concerning. Um, and and a strange one is like, how do you like? What, what's you, that telling you, your playing group? But how do you also... Yeah, what's it telling your playing group? You have no trust in any of your depth. But also, like, how are you even allowed to make that decision? Like, as a coach... Obviously, Cunnington helped make the decision by saying he was fit and ready to go. But surely the medical staff are like, he's not. Yeah, and then... Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's such a weird one when yeah. that happens. Kind of like, obviously, someone's overruled someone. Yeah. Or someone hasn't done their job. Yeah. And it's probably the overrule as opposed to them not doing their job. But... It does. It's just a very strange. To I know the stat is obviously there that when Cunnington plays, they win, but yeah. he has to be playing at his best, not well, not just on the field. And then the other end of there, they got Essendon without Jake Stringer, mm. so and that's a massive out because he is pretty much their only goal kicker, X factor sort of player, and they really struggled up forward without him. And you know, Tipper played a pretty good game last week, I suppose, but does he back that up? I just think the Essendon midfield's probably better than North. Um, Hurley and, and Hooker were unbelievable last week as well. Like, they were really bloody good. Sard keeps playing really good games. I, I can't see how you can't not tip Essen 
But I do have a feeling that North, the sort of side that have probably been embarrassed after the last two weeks, uh, especially last week, and probably Reece Shaw is the sort of bloke they might play for. So, you know, if he, he owned his mistake and he asked for a response, they might give him something. And it's also the type of side that Essendon struggle against. So historically, they've struggled against Sydney. They did the same this year in the first game back. They struggle against those teams that like to keep the ball inside and make it a bit of a slug. And yep. so if North can play true to their their style, that even Reece Shaw has said, like, we're going to play honest battle of football, basically, they can keep it on the inside and make it a bit of a slog, then it brings them back into the game. But you can't really pick it on that. Like, you can't really pick on a team keeping it as a slog. No. No, you can't. And look, I'll, I'm, look, I'll say I'm going to tip, going to tip Essendon. Uh, I'm not going to touch the game with any punting, any of my money. I'll be tipping Essendon, but don't get me wrong. I would not. This is one of the games where I'm not that confident and I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if North wins. Just to really muddy up the form lines even further. Sunday, 105. Port Adelaide at $2 outsiders against GWS, who are $1.80 favourites. They're also playing at Metricon Stadium. The line here is one point. The over-under, 126. Should the Giants be slimmer favourites? Are those odds too fat at $1.80? If if them and Brisbane are in the clear leaders for the flag, why aren't they, you know, $1.60, $1.75 as opposed to $1.80? I think watching them play last week, it's very different to watching GWS, and if that if Port if the game that game was played out with Port instead of Hawthorne, I reckon Port win. Just because of the amount of ball that they had inside mm. their fifty, and, and Port's four line's pretty dangerous. They didn't have a lot going the other way. Like I said, they only had twenty five or twenty six inside fifty. I reckon for eighteen scoring shots. Yeah, so GWS 26, 26 inside fifties. Uh, yeah, 18 scoring shots, 69% efficiency. As, as Hawthorne, Hawthorne 38 for 14 at 37%. So Port Adelaide won't shoot at 37%. Yeah, and they, sure. they literally, GWS played slow, keepings off footy. Uh, it wasn't really that ballistic. And they, they try to take away their intercept marks, you know, from Sicily. They really went to, did their homework on... Um, Big boy McAvoy, who ended up moving back in the ruck, and and he had a set four line. Like Tom uh, Tom Green, Finlayson, and that just had a had a pretty good day out. So, from, and I reckon Port were, were, were a bit embarrassed probably last week. So I think they'll, they'll bounce back. And GWS had two really good games. And this where's this game being played? Is it in in Sydney or is it in no, Metricon? Metricon. So it's up up in the sort of conditions that would suit Port if it's a it's a night game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No day game. Day game, 105. So, so 105, be, yeah. So I won't be greasy. Um, I think I'm going to tip... I think my blind my blind faith in Port is probably going to lead me to tip Porty. Even though you think the Giants are clearly well ahead? Yep. I just think a few injuries to Joe West. So they had, you know... Obviously, um, Phil Davis played last week after having a bit of a... You know, a bit sore the week before. So does he play again? Like, you got to think about it. Like, yeah, they had players that put up sore and didn't go back on the ground after in the Collingwood game, they backed up last week. I know they got through a pretty bruise-free game. They get seven-day break, I suppose, as well, but I wouldn't be surprised there's a couple of laid-outs here for for um, Greater Western Sydney. Yep, that and makes... I, I, I just... I have a feeling that, that this year that Leon Cameron is just making sure they're, they're going to stay primed and not go too hard too early. Mm. So, like, he'll make sure his squad's fit. 
keep them going, keep them turning over, win the games they need to win, and be primed for that. So because they always always have injury problems, like I wouldn't be surprised if Bummy gets a rest after two pretty big weeks. Jacobs comes. I know he's been good for him the last two weeks, but then Mummy comes in. Oh, sorry. Then Jacobs comes back in for a couple of weeks just to give Mummy a rest, get his body right, keep him going, ticking over. And I reckon he'll do that for a few of their players. So we had you know Kelly out the other week had a rest. I wouldn't be surprised if Kinnigo gets a rest soon. Like, I, I just have a feeling that Greater Western Sydney just set themselves up. Yeah. And I just reckon Port will be pretty embarrassed about last week and just want to come out and prove a point and be pretty hard and tough early and like I said if, if they get the 38 inside 50s they're not only kicking 49 points port they're kicking 80 to 90 and GWS if they only get 20 against or 26 against port they're not kicking 83 points mm. they're kicking 40 or 50 so yeah I just I'm a bit worried about this different styles of play yeah no, that makes sense the only part that obviously flips that is that there's a huge chance that Giants will get more inside 50s as well given that Brisbane scored a lot, got a lot of inside fifties. So there is a propensity there for Adelaide to leak the other way. Yep. They're not as defensively strong as as a Brisbane, which is why you've obviously put the Giants and Brisbane in that separate bracket. Yep. So I'm going with a long form bracket here. I'm going to tip the Giants. Yeah, I'm contradicting myself a little bit. But, but yeah, that's right because you got the gut there as well. Yeah. What gut. happens this week is not what will happen at the end of the yes, season. Yes, it's the so gut. you the go gut. with the gut, but I'll go with your knowledge and use it against you and yep. get one back. And tip the Giants. Sunday, 3.35, Richmond are eighty favourites against Sydney, who are only $2 outsiders. This game's being played at the Gabba. The line here, 3.5, the over-under, 124. And obviously, the clear indicator here from the odds is that everyone's buying in too much to the uh, Richmond don't want to go to the hub chat. Richmond are favourites. I know. But only eighty favourites against Sydney. Who are, who are poor. I think... Uh, they are basically going to finish in the bottom four. I think... The injuries also play a part. No Cochin, he's maybe probably no Lynch, or no Lynch, and then no Prestia, and there was no, wasn't there another one? He had four outs. You got no Basha Hooley. Basha Hooley, yeah. So you know, and you weren't actually that good against Melbourne. No, you pretty, it's just that Melbourne's really poor. Yeah, but um, Sydney are that much better than Melbourne. I know. I, I'm well aware. And last year, everyone keeps pointing out that last year when. I tip Richmond when they went to Port Adelaide uh, to bounce back after having a few injuries mm-hmm. just to prove a point. Undermanned. Undermanned. Written off in the media. And I think we saw that last week. You, know, you had Chol and, and Bolter come into the side who probably craved a, an opportunity and they played really, really well and took took with both hands. So is that going to work for you know the Sydney stack and, and Marlon Pickett come in and all of a sudden go, right, we're going to prove to everyone that we're actually good players and... Does that happen or does Sydney just knock knock his off? So I'm probably going to tip Sydney. I reckon you're missing too much. I reckon your hunger's not there. Your players worry. Like, you know, Jack didn't sound... I, I still can't believe Jack was... In, how, how you can listen to Jack the other night, and I, I love love his honesty and I love Jack. I reckon he's good and I do bag him out sometimes, but how can he focus on playing footy and be 100% ready to go, talking like that? Because... I know in my situation, if I was thinking like that, and I have previously, and I go to play a sport, my mind is furthest from the game, and I don't perform my best. So, how can he do that being a professional athlete? And I, I worry about, like I said, the players that are in that situation. I just think that it's, if Sydney, are, you know, they're not really having the trouble, then they're not really influenced as much as Richmond are by the hub. And I think Richmond's gonna be one of those teams that might um, fall ill to the hub experience, a bit like West Coast. 
Or they could be one of those teams that has proven over the last three years that benefit from being in a position of adversary because it gives them something. It gives them something to work against. It gives them another. Like if everyone keeps talking about this as a side, it's lacking motivation and there's no crowds get them up. Well, then this is their thing. Like they've now got an, a, a tangible adversary to to go up against. Yeah, I'm going. And blokes like Darcy coming back into form, I'm as you said, blokes opportunities to go to the Charles, to the to the pickets, to the to the stacks to go. If you want to take your chance now, take it now, and you'll keep it in September or November or whenever you actually play the finals. Who knows? Um, versus the Sydney side, because there's no, it's all based off Richmond. Like Richmond not being 100% versus Sydney being pretty good. And we've seen that Sydney have dropped games to everyone. Yeah, well, I'm giving Sydney one more last chance. Right. After um, you read them off 30 minutes ago. Yeah, I'm going to the gut, mate. <laughs> the famous <laughs> gut. Fair enough. Tigers to prove why they've been the best team in the comp last three years. Sunday, 6.45, deep, dark footy. At the back end of the weekend, not that weekends exist anymore. Every day will be the weekend, probably. Carlton, $2.62. Outsiders against the Bulldogs, $1.47 favourites. They're also playing at Merchie Conn Stadium, getting a big workout this weekend. $2 line, one twenty over under. Obviously a clear win for the Bulldogs, or does the guts have something different? No, nah, doggies for them. Uh, the line 11.5 is too short. This will be similar to... Uh, depending on, obviously, weather and stuff, I don't know, but this would be... St Kilda sick, versus sick. Blues... Point two. two. Yeah, point two, yeah. yeah. 100%. Yep. Easy. I don't even want to talk too much about this game because I just reckon it's going to be a bit of a, a smashing... Do you believe um, in bogey sides though, Baz? I do a little bit. We spoke about history before. The underdog has covered the line in seven of the last nine matches between Carlton and the Western Bulldogs. Yep. And 10 of the last 11 games uh, involving the Bulldogs have gone under. So smashings aren't really the doggies' jam. I just... I, I, this is one of the games of the weekend you can just tip... Doggies and just... Unprecedented times. Don't yeah. believe in history. Nah, yeah. Doggies to win. Just, clear margin. Just tip doggies and you got one tipper already this week. Alright. Speaking of, great segue into the tip and forget games that, in my opinion, are tip and forget. Saturday, 12.35, Fremantle are $3.18 outsiders to St Kilda, $1.34 favourites. They're also playing in Metricon Stadium because that's the new home of football. Forget the MCG. It's all happening down there on the Gold Coast. 16 points is the line and one twenty-two the over-under. Rats is going to take St Kilda to the promised land. The promised land being finals football. There's no way in hell after what Freo dished up the last couple of weeks they're getting anywhere near St Kilda. No way. Like that was that was terrible that game between yeah. Adelaide and them. Like the skill from both teams was disgusting, and St Kilda should if yeah St Kilda should flog them. No chance. No no hub gut. Nah, no nah, nah, no nah. travel woes. Nah, no nah, conditions to bring Freo back into nah, it. No, nah, they're done. Yeah, nah, have to agree with you there. St Kilda are looking very, very good. And shout to Rats because he played Geary. That was a very smart use of Geary last week because he was the defensive forward on Doherty. Doherty, yeah. But kicked a few goals. actually kicked a few goals and yep. made himself accountable, not just a hard tag, yep. which actually is a better to keep uh, a defender's head occupied as opposed to just being annoying. So very smart man, Rats. Probably Probably should be still coaching Carlton, but we'll leave that joke alone. Saturday, 3.05, West Coast are $1.13 favourites against Adelaide. $5.75 outsiders. They're playing at the Gabba. The line here is 31 points. Can the Eagles get near that? Uh, I won't. Oh, the way Adelaide Young, they didn't score for a quarter and a half, nearly, two, nearly a half, I think it was. Mm. Um, yeah, West Coast will win. They'll win pretty comfortably, and people will start thinking they're back to... Got grand finalist or top four team when they're not, but 
they're only going to beat who they're up against. So, yep, they win. So they win, no, but, they win, but don't get sucked in, is what you're saying. Yeah, don't get sucked in. They're playing Adelaide, who you know, would struggle to probably beat a couple under 15 size at the moment. Um, that no how long, Walker, how long until Adelaide cops the you know sub par we need relegation? Because obviously that's, what I, that's been the the stick that Gold Coast have been hit with the last couple of years. Yeah. This side's probably as bad, if not worse, than the Gold Coast's performance in the last couple of years. Yeah, well, they've got no Tex Walker this week. Um, I know he's out. I don't know if there was another out. I can't remember if there was another out for him or not. But, yeah, they're, they're bad. Mm. And, like, even their senior players are really struggling. Like, your Ledge, your Lynch, um, Smith, um, the Crouch brothers have been okay. But Sloan hasn't been great. Uh, There's some... Good talented, you know, Talia's been pretty ordinary as well. I think Talia was injured, I think he's the other one. But so like, you know, I just I really worry about them going forward. They've got a couple of really good players, you know, young players, but they've got a, as Nick Rio alluded to, they've got a massive gap mm. in, in ages. Uh if Bryce Gibbs that can't get a game that side at the moment, then I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, they've got a couple of um good hands to play in this year's draft. They've got some good early picks because you know, we talked about Melbourne before. Melbourne gave them this year's first round pick. So, you know, Melbourne are going pretty ordinary and they've got no no picks this year in the, in the you know, early as, as well. So, I think Adelaide just start the rebuild. Uh, and Nick's pretty much alluded to that post-game that it's going to be a long, long build. And I think a few of their um, board members and stuff even talk that way as well. So, yeah. Probably a, probably a lucky year for Adelaide to have this during COVID where... There's more things in the paper to distract people from than the uh, performance of a football club. Yeah, because you'll be under... Like, even though it's in his first year and he's taken over a basket case, he's in a, he'll find, because of the way Adelaide are, he'll be under pressure. Mm. So, yeah, good luck to him. They, they seriously probably won't win a game this year. Wow. Like, looking at that team, I reckon they Well, I suppose they didn't, they didn't beat Fremantle, so... And they're wor- I reckon they're worse than what Gold Coast were. Because mm. at least Gold Coast had some really good young like they were playing with 22 you know young good kids mm. playing a style of footy that was invigorating and teaches them how to take the game on yeah. and be like, aggressive don't get me wrong there's some talent on that Adelaide team young, like young mm. players but there's also a couple of blokes getting games because they you need to fill 22 yeah then they wouldn't be getting the games elsewhere Everyone's favourite segment, Money Making Time, our feature bets for round six of this COVID AFL season. Big Baz, what's your best bet? Uh, Sam and a goal to get 20 or more touches against Brisbane, two bucks. There you go. Double your money, easy. And yeah, probably take that into a bit of a same game multi into Brisbane. You get around three bucks, three sixty or so. Have a look at that, I reckon. But best bet, yeah, main goal to get 20 plus. Nice little exotic there. I've got the same game. Brisbane, the cover, the 7.5 at $1.90 is my best bet. What are you seeing value-wise for the weekend? A nice little multi here, I reckon. Brisbane head-to-head, Western Bulldogs head-to-head, St Kilda to cover the line of 16.5, gets you $4.70. Lovely. I've got three value bets. So, starting off with Gold Coast to win against Melbourne at two eighteen. Seems too good to be true. Uh, Brisbane to cover, Charlie Cameron to kick two goals, and over the 131 is $5.15. And they've gone back to the well 
on your boys because I did some number digging and I worked out that it's it's just too good to be true. So Collingwood to win the first quarter, Collingwood to win head-to-head and the unders yep. should only happen 17% of the time at odds of around about $5. At the moment, it's happening 60% of the time over the last year and a half. So in, until that number drops way off, I'm going to keep on going back to the well. It's my Carlton versus a uh, Carlton and Gold Coast 60 to 69 type moneymaker. Yep. And I'm way ahead, 150, 156% return on investment. So Collingwood to win the first quarter, Collingwood to win head to head, and under 119.5 against Hawthorne is $5.45. And uh, what's your roughie for the weekend, mate? Well, I'm, I figure that two of these are a bit rough and the outside of you went against me. So my roughie for the week is I'm going to take my three. Tips head to head out they're outsiders. So Gold Coast dollars eighteen, Port Adelaide two bucks, Sydney at two ten. So you multi them together, you get nine dollars fifteen. There's my rough, and that's me tipping nine this week. There you go, Contarian chaos during these COVID <laughs> times from the king of chaos himself. Unprecedented, unprecedented times, times, unprecedented tipping, and an unprecedented podcast. Hopefully, we'll see you all next week. This is-